Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Ladies and gentlemen, record geeks, retired plate spinners, and millennials who want to impress their parents with their record collections. Welcome to the Rhino Cast Podcast, brought to you by Rhino Records. Get ready for new releases, deep tracks, and conversations with your favorite artists and bands. And balloons for the kiddies. And now, your hosts with the most, Rich Mahan and Dennis the Menace. This week on the Rhino Podcast, we celebrate the 50th anniversary of The Doors' third album, Waiting for the Sun, and have conversations with Electro Records founder Jack Holzman and The Doors engineer, Bruce Potnick. Love my girl. She looks Dennis? You know what? It's time to celebrate another 50th anniversary. Yeah. The Doors, Waiting for the Sun. It's its 50th anniversary. It was, oddly enough, The Doors' first and only number one album. That's right. It is the first album that really had to get into some new material after they had exhausted Morrison's original songbook. We couldn't be any more inside this time, Rich, because... 
We're talking, as you mentioned, to Jack Holzman at his home studio. And then we are live from Bernie Grudman Mastering in Hollywood. So you were there to witness the remastering of this album with Bruce Botnick. It's like a dream come true. I had been to Bernie Grudman's to master a record in the past, but to be invited into the room while they were remastering Waiting for the Sun, and Bernie did master the original album, so it's kind of like the superstar duo back together doing this 50 years later. Back then, Bernie was at a, a studio called Contemporary Records in Hollywood before he went to master at A&M, and that's when they worked together. And now he has his own place in Hollywood where he's mastered little albums like Tapestry by Carol King, Thriller, Purple Rain, Asia, you know, little things like that. His name is synonymous with mastering. You walk in that room, and and it's amazing the building and the walls don't fall over from the gold records on the wall. (laughs) That must have really been something to see that in in action. Yeah, and the other thing is that that Bruce and Bernie, Bernie's not on tape with us, but speaking of tape, he shared some tricks. And I don't want to give away too much before the interview, but I will use the word stretched tape. And then going back and digitizing to make this sound like it sounds. And it does sound fantastic. And this album, not only does it have the original album in stereo, it has five live songs from Copenhagen in 1968. And Bruce Botnick has this great quote on the rough mixes. He says, all the elements and additional background vocals gave different sensibilities on balances and intangible roughness all of which are quite attractive and refreshing. He likes the rough mixes. And you know what, Rich, what we should do right now, why don't you roll the original Hello, I Love You and a little bit of the rough mix so people can hear. All right, check it out. I always love hearing a work in progress, and these rough mixes kind of let you know what it sounded like when it was, before it was completely finished, but after the band had laid down the basics, and you get to hear it as it progresses. I I find that so fascinating. And if I sound a little enthusiastic, I mean, I got to sit there and hear the story of how all the sound effects for Unknown Soldier came together, how Spanish Caravan progressed from a demo into the level of reality that it became an iconic track on that record. It was really a treat to be able to sit down with Electra Records founder Jack Holzman and talk about this record. 
And we did so at his place on the west side in Los Angeles. And I think we ought to just get right to it because he really is such a fascinating guy. Waiting for the Sun is is a tricky record. Unknown Soldier and Hello, I Love You were the two singles that came off that record. At opposite ends of the rainbow. Very much so. Hello, I Love You was on a demo record that they made. And that my son, who was a Doors nut, he wanted to play keyboards. And Ray would come over and show him a lick or two, and he'd mimic the lick or two for a week. And as we were doing Waiting for the Sun, I got a call from Adam, and he said, you know, I was listening to the demo record again, and I think Hello, I Love You is a hit. And I said, all right, I'll listen to it. And I called him back and said, it's a really catchy song. It seems like very early doors to me. However, I'll talk with Rothschild because it's easy to get. So I called Rothschild, who brought it to the group, and uh, they said, no, 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 that's one of our earliest songs. We don't want to do it. And I said to Rothschild, tell him to record it. I'll pay for the sessions. And if we use it, we'll use it. And if we don't use it, we won't. But at least I'd like to record it, which they did. And we used it. And Adam got his first gold record. Rothschild was a great producer. I wanted him for this album. I wanted Paul Rothschild to be the producer of The Doors, and he came out and saw them, and he didn't think there was much there, and I was making a mistake, but he wanted to do a band that Al Grossman had back in New York, which I had seen and I thought was nowhere. And Paul had a marijuana bust uh, back in the early 60s, and he was in jail for a while, and I kept him on the payroll, and uh, he came out, and his job was waiting for him. He said he really didn't want it. And I said, Paul, I never thought I'd bring this up to you, but I think you might owe this one to me. And he said, well, if you put it that way, I'll do it. And made a fortune. (laughs) (laughs) But he was the right person. The thing about that band is you had four very smart guys who were smart about different things. But he was smart about all the things that they were smart about individually that made a tremendous that made it so much easier for him to deal with them. And he could out-talk Jim. Not out-drink, but out-talk. After they started working together, did Paul like the band? Did the band like Paul? What was the relationship like? He loved the record. He loved the success. It put him on the map. They loved him. But he was a little like Eric von Stroheim without the collar or the monocle, he would do 57 takes, and that would drive him nuts. Once you have to do more than three or four takes, you go on to another song, and you come back to that one later. But he didn't do that. I want to go back to Unknown Soldier. For the Electric catalog, it totally fit in. It was the ultimate protest song. I imagine the sound effects library was used on those... uh, <laughs> on those on those soldiers. Yes, we had all of that stuff from the sound effects library. But but releasing that as a single also met the Electra Gestalt because it was a really brave choice. It was an obligation. I felt 
that a song that everybody could get around was a way of the continuation of I Ain't Marching Anymore by Phil Oaks. There's a continuity of the protest song, which I've always respected. And it started with Woody Guthrie. It never existed really before Woody Guthrie, maybe in the Civil War, but I don't know what the songs were. And I've tried to find out and I couldn't find a lot. But it's in the electric tradition. Yeah, it, it fit It fit like a glove with where you started. It wasn't folk, but it, it certainly fit. It was uh, 10 years in. It was yeah. Electra record, 1961 or two. Wait until the war is over And we're both a little older The unknown soldier Breakfast where the news is read Television children fed Unborn living, living dead Bullets strikes the helmet's head And it's all over for the unknown soldier Rich, do you believe that Jack Holzman, I mean, we sat there, the man is 88 years old, and to say he's sharp as a tack and remembers everything would be the understatement of the year. It was a real honor to get to sit with him, especially in his home studio, and talk with him about Waiting for the Sun. Yeah. And to get a little more technical, let's go to Bernie Grudman Mastering across town in Hollywood and your conversation with Bruce Botnick. Hi out there in Radio Land. Yes, or podcast land. It's yes. now podcast land. Although, podcast land. Although we kind of think that, that podcasts are the new radio anyway. It's interesting because one of the first things that I want to bust, tell me about March 1968 in terms of waiting for the sun, because that was an interesting time for the doors. And I'll just leave it at that. Well, it was an interesting time because they were massively successful at that point. We were... At Sunset Sound, the first thing that we recorded was Unknown Soldier, including all the sound effects of the marching and the gunshots and all that from a sound effects guy who who does uh, laughter on game shows, you know, things like that. But at some point, I said to Paul, you know, Paul, maybe we need a change of venue. Not that I wanted to leave. Yeah, I went to TTG Studios on uh, Sunset and Highland, which is only uh, really three blocks from Sunset Sound Recorders. Not a long distance. You can walk there, and on the corner was Stan's drive-in. The infamous where, with, the, with the beautiful attendants. They had good, really nice ladies. Not in roller skates, though. That That's was right. out in the valley. 
But the thing that was fascinating, you did Unknown Soldier and Spanish Caravan. Those were the were those the first two you did? Actually, yes. Yeah, Spanish Caravan was also recorded at so and such. Yeah. And Unknown Soldier, of of all the things to start with on, you know, on a Doors album, was pushing the envelope from moment one. And I think you did you know from moment one that this was not gonna be the carbon copy of previous Doors albums by any stretch of the imagination? No, we always went into these uh, sessions never with a concept beyond good material. And you have to remember that 1966, when Ray and Jim got together and formed the Doors, uh, Jim already had 24 songs written. Now this one Unknown Soldier was a new one, and he, you know, was his take on what was going on in Vietnam and uh, Cambodia, and it was his uh, complaint. Electra, you know, known for sound effects. Yeah. Needless to say, so you had those at your disposal. But tell me about which the, we did use for yes, the crowd at the end. Yes. Tell me about the architecture of the song, though. What what did he come in with? And what did he go out? Because he went out with something well, very different than what you, he came in with. You have with. to understand that they always rehearsed and created in their rehearsal hall, La Cienega and Sunset Boulevard, Santa Monica Boulevard. So when they came into the studio, it was generally formulated. But the thing is, is that they rehearsed their material in front of people, the audience. Now, I don't know whether they were doing... Unknown Soldier live at that point. I know they did it right after that, live, in order to try it out. But obviously, Jim would either walk in with a melody and the words, and then they would just kind of throw the ball at one another and see what who caught what and how it developed. And they always came in with arrangements, and it was done. And different, they were, what a different world. Different world. Different world. They were they rehearsed. They. They came up with the arrangements. They didn't write in the studio, per se. Not not in those days. That that became in the 70s. Yeah. When people lived in the studio. And, so how much was played live, live? Uh, a majority. Wow. Including always... That's a, impressive. Always live in the studio to get performances. So we are here at Bernie Grundman Mastering. You are working on a record release. That's right. 33 and a third RPM. 33 and a third RPM, round, hole in the middle. A little, little quarter inch hole. But the kids have rediscovered this. Yeah. But why a record release of this record? Now, you have worked on so many Doors things. You are, you are the Doors, you know, you are the Doors for how long? When it comes to comes to sound, why? Let us in. What are we going to hear? Because you're mastering it here. Well, this is this is really good. There's a good little good story here about waiting for the sun. Back in 1968, when we finished the record, Bernie Grumman was down the street in Contemporary Studios, and I had heard about him as a mastering engineer, and uh, that's Contemporary Records. So I booked the session. We went down there and we mastered. You mastered Waiting for the Sun with Bernie Grumman. 50 years ago with Bernie Grumman. So it is kind of fortuitous that we're back doing it again. But I did something a little bit different, and hopefully the fans will understand. Uh, I went back to the original analog Dolby A master tapes, two tracks, and transferred them at uh, to digital at 192 kilohertz, 24-bit. And the reason for that 
is that over the years, we don't know where it happened, but somebody did stretch the tape in the middle of uh, We Could Be So Good together, actually in the beginning. So the only option is to, to, fix, it. Is to fix it. But at the same time, there's a, a process called plangent where you can take transfer your tape to digital like this and the company's able to resolve the bias frequency and basically what you get back is the speed of the eight track machine not the two track because the two tracks always had a mechanical braking system and they could speed up or slow down i sent it back on a test and it came back and it's really good uh, especially it shows up on uh, Spanish Caravan with Robbie's classical guitar in the beginning. It's, it's really crystalline. It's like he's standing in the room. This is going to be a really nice master. So we're going to cut lacquers off this new master. And then I'm also going to, the new CD will have this file. So we're... So it is it is record and CD. Yes, it's record and CD. There are multiple, multiple things out there that you are, quote, the keeper of the flame, you know, for the doors since, you know, Paul, Paul left us, right? Paul Rothschild. I still talk to him. I imagine you hear him over your shoulder... You know, even particularly no, he's on this always to my he's always to my right. What do you hear him saying? Because certainly the, you're not tired of the material yet, are you? I I'm not too sure <laughs> that I that I'm hearing him when the, during this. You know, it's just that I uphold his uh, musicality and uh, the way he felt about the Doors and the responsibility to be real. That's why you never saw our names on the front of the albums. It wasn't about us. It's about the band. It's about the band. That's what Jack. So all artists we, first. Artists first, and uh, the the goal was to try and capture the essence of what was there and let the music speak for itself. But obviously, you wouldn't do this if there wasn't a reason to be. 
So when you're mastering this, what are some of the things that you and Bernie are paying attention to and what are people going to hear? What this release is going to do is, first off, it should sound actually better than the original mastering because the equipment, his cutting amplifiers are better, his cutting head is better than we had 50 years ago. So this is what you would have done if you had this equipment yeah, back then. And but, but also the fact that I was able to go and uh, utilize that process, the plangent process, to uh, straighten it out. I mean, at first listen, you'll go, well, what's he talking about? But when you listen to it for a while, you'll notice that it's in key. You know, it's not, there's no flutter. It's going to be a, it'll be a different listening experience. And that's what I get out of it. How many more times we can do this? I have no idea, but I am doing a insert for the new release explaining why am I buying this again? The equipment back then, I mean, a reel-to-reel machine, the basic microphones, you know, a Neumann hasn't changed that much when you come right now. No, we're still using the same ones. You're still using the same ones. But what you're saying, and I'm not putting words in your mouth, is that if you had this technology, this is the record you would have made back then. Would that be appropriate? I'm doing what I hear today. I I can't worry too much about what I did 50 years ago. Because I don't, I can't do that again. You know, it's like if I had, well, I can use it in the perception box set when I went and remixed it for surround. That was good. You know, mixing for stereo was really tough because you got the original. I'm not the same person I was 50 years ago. I'm a lot more learned. I've gone through a lot more experiences. When I made this record, I wasn't married yet. That's relevant. So, and, and I was eating different food, and I wasn't into art like I am now, and I wasn't making wine then like I make wine now. And, and, and all of and those experiences really do affect what affect you the music. do. Absolutely. The music. Yeah. Because it affects your, it affects your palate, so right. to speak. Yeah. Mono and stereo? We didn't do mono at all on Waiting for the Sun. That's fascinating. The only mono we did was for the single Hello, I Love You and Love Street. on love streets lingers long on love streets she has a house and garden I would like to see what happens she has robes and she has monkeys lazy diamond studded Monkeys. She has wisdom and knows what to do. She has me and she has you.
see you live on Love Street. There's the store where the creatures meet. I wonder what they do in there. Summer, Sunday, and a year. I guess I like it fine so far. Thanks for tuning into the Rhino Podcast this week. We hope you've enjoyed hearing about the doors waiting for the sun. As treats go, this one for me was a bucket list thing, and it doesn't get better than that. I hope it was the same for the people listening. For more information about the 50th anniversary edition of Waiting for the Sun, please visit thedoors.com and rhino.com. And of course, you can check it out on any of your favorite streaming platforms. That's right. And Waiting for the Sun is available on vinyl and CD. So choose your speed, choose your digital zeros and ones. How fast do CDs spin, by the way? Faster than we're capable of, Rich. And last but certainly not least, don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss the next RhinoCast. Executive producers for Rhino, John Hughes and Lauren Goldberg. Produced for Rhino by Pop Colt and Rich Mayhan Promotions. All rights reserved.